Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Miranda Cokes and I'm the Women's Director here at Rolling Hills. It's week six of our series, Refine, where we have been diving into the seven deadly sins and discovering how we can fight those sins with truth. Today, the sin we're zeroing in on is envy, or that feeling of discontentment or resentment caused by someone else's possessions, qualities, life situation, the list goes on. God doesn't want us to live in this place of envy. He's given us life to the full found in Him, and we can fight envy with gratitude and contentment found in Christ alone. It's time we started fighting, so join us as we learn how to do that today. We're so glad you're here. church. My name is Jacob Scrimshire. I get the honor of being the discipleship pastor at Rolling Hills and I love every chance I can get to preach here at the Nashville campus and I'm here today because Pastor Nick is on the beach right now soaking in some sun. Uh, I'm just kidding that's not true. Uh, He's actually on mission right now leading a team uh, to Phoenix of 25 people from almost every campus that we have of going to work with the church planner to help plan a church in a part of Phoenix where there are no churches. So that's really awesome. He's doing that. He texted me earlier that they just landed. They're ready to do some work. So be praying for them. At the same time, we also, out of our Franklin campus, sent a team to Atlanta of 35 people from this campus and other campuses to go do the same work in Atlanta to work with the church planner. And and then we also, last night, sent out a team of 30-something to the Amazon. So this week on spring break, almost 100 people gave their lives to mission on spring break. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to be continuing our series, Refine. And over these weeks, we've been looking at some of the seven deadly sins and how they impact our lives. And the, the name of this series is Refine. And what we've been hoping has been happening is every week God has been using his word and his spirit to refine our hearts. If you look at any kind of refinement process, whether it be the refinement of water purification or of oil, what happens is they add a chemical to the substance and that chemical helps to coagulate the impurities in the substance so they can more easily remove it from the process. And what God has done has implanted us with the Holy Spirit and his word to help us identify the impurities that exist like lust, like gluttony, like envy, like greed, and help us to see these things. And he begins to work these things out of us, begins to purify these impurities, and we meet him in that process of refinement. Another way to think about it is we come to the Lord as followers of Christ as an unfinished rock. And he begins to refine and chisel the things that don't belong. 
like these seven deadly sins and make us into what he meant us to be, an image of him and an image of his son. That is hopefully what he's been doing through this process with you. I know he's been doing it with me. And today we are going to look at envy. You can see it on the screen, but we're in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30, just one verse for us to read. And this is what the word of God says. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Envy rots the bones. I want to I tell you a little bit about myself really quick, just so you can get to know me. Like, um, If you were to, and I'm going to be real with you, so don't judge me. If you were to invite me to a party or some type of an event, maybe you're different than me. The first question I would ask is, oh, that's great. Thanks for inviting me. Who's going to be there? I need to know the characters that are going to be there. That's just, I don't know you're more spiritual than me, but I need to know who's going to be there. For multiple reasons, but I need to know who I'm talking to. I need to know how I need to prepare myself. I have to pump myself up for certain type of social functions. So I have to, I have to know who's going to be at this party. And maybe this comes from my previous life before I was a Christian. Uh, I didn't come a Christian until my mid-20s. I, I lived kind of a sketchy life, so I found myself in lots of sketchy parties and sketchy situations where I looked around the room and was like, uh, is this really where I want to be? In fact, you know, if you go to a party, eventually you're going to have to talk to all these individual characters that are there. And if you stay at a party long enough, you can look around and say, if I hang out with these people long enough, I'm going to be the people in this room. And I've been in places where I looked around, and I was like, I'm not sure I want to be these people. And I'm pretty sure those people looked at me and was like, I don't want to be like that dude. And they probably left because of me. But the reason I, the reason I say that is because, uh, is my first point here, is envy is the host of a party of all sorts of shady characters. You go to a party hosted by envy, there's going to be some cats that you're going to have to talk to that you may not want to spend time with. Like jealousy. Jealousy is going to be at this party. First of all, why are you going to a party hosted by envy to begin with? That's your fault. Secondly, if you go to this party, you're going to have to talk to jealousy. You're going to have to spend time with it. Covetousness, rivalry, resentment, malice, hatred, flattery, corrupt desire. All of those people are here. And like those parties I didn't want to go to is because I didn't want to get cornered by the guy that nobody wants to talk to and get you in the corner and never stops talking and takes your time and takes you off to the side from the rest of the party. Maybe you guys want to talk to them. But at this party, that, that person that gets you in the corner and takes all your time is discontentment. Probably the shadiest of characters at this party is discontentment. Because if you go to the envy party long enough, you're hanging out with discontentment. And the thing about envy is, like, envy for us, we don't have to be taught to be envious. We are really skilled at being envy, being envious of others. Like I have four kids. I do not have to teach them envy. My four-year-old just this week, I was working on this sermon. We're out in the backyard. He's got a bag of rocks. And he's like, he looks all sad. I'm like, what, what's the deal, Zeke? He's like, my friend's got more rocks than I do. <laughs> he's struggling with rocks envy. I didn't teach him that. But maybe you're here today and you're, you think you have less rocks than someone else. Or put into blank whatever it is. You feel like you don't have enough of something. We don't have to be taught how to envy. We are very good at it already. 
In fact, if you look at this, is that we, our hearts have supersonic radars to detect all the things we don't have. There's supersonic radars. We're walking around, boom, ain't got that. Boom, I don't have that. Boom, they have it. I don't, I want it. We're really good at seeing the things that we don't have, not the things we do. We're really good at seeing the things that we don't possess. And here's the thing, envy is not anything new. Envy is not anything new. It's not something we just struggle with today. Envy has been around since the beginning. I mean, in history, they struggled with envy. Oh, his hut's better than mine. His rock, he has more rocks than I do. He has more donkeys than I do. It's always been a thing. Envy has always been part of the human experience outside the fall. It's always been a struggle for man. However, I do think in our current state, there is more gasoline on the envy fire. Because there's three different types of media that is coming at us, and all three of those are set to pour gasoline on an envy. The first one is advertising media advertising media every ad every commercial you have ever seen is gasoline for your envy it is literally designed to tap into the envy in your heart hey look at these awesome people look what they have you don't have it don't you want it look at these awesome people look at the people they're hanging out don't you hang out with people like this if you buy this then you can hang out with these people it's all tapping in. Let me, let me just read a stat to you. The global ad industry now stands at $766 billion and expected to hit $1 trillion by 2025. They're making money because they know how humans function, that we struggle with envy, and they sit in rooms and say, how can we tap into their envy? Can, how can we make them long for this So that's our advertising media. Then there's entertainment media. That's the Netflix movies that we watch, things that we consume. And in these, this consuming of this media, what happens is we watch a Netflix series or a movie and we see a relationship that's not like our own and say, man, I wish my husband was more like this man in this movie. I wish somebody would pursue me in this way. I wish my wife acted like this lady. I wish I could find a man like him. I wish I could live in a house like that. I wish I could have the cars like that. I wish I could have this life. I wish I could go on a Viking raid like these people. That's not, that's not a look into my viewing experience. But, but so advertising media is tapping into our envious. We are tapped into it when we're watching movies. We're, try, we're seeing all the things we don't have. Our radars are going off. And then there's the mother of all medias. And that is social media. If you think about it like this, we carry around envy machines in our pockets. We carry around these envy machines in our pocket that are, that are so bent on tapping in to our envy. Think about this. It is spring break week, which is also could be called envy week. You look on social media today. I was joking about Pastor Nick being at the beach. He's not at the beach. But it, you'll look on social media today and you'll see everybody doing all the fun stuff we're not doing because we're in here. But here's the thing about envy. We'll be here at our homes. Maybe some of you are leaving today to go somewhere fun, but I'm not. Um, 
We're going to look at our phones. We're going to see on social media somebody in Florida and say, man, I wish I was that person. But here's the thing about envy. The person in Florida is going to be sitting there looking at their phone, seeing someone in Barbados, wishing they were in Barbados. Like, man, this, that's cooler than Destin. I wish I was there. And the person in Barbados is going to see someone at Disney saying, man, I should have took my family to Disney. And the person at Disney is going to see a picture of my backyard and they're going to say, I wish I was at my house. Envy is a circular thing that it, it never ends. And when we look at social media, what we see is people's lives and we see a perfect picture. I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole job called Instagram influencing. If you're an Instagram influencer, I love you. Thank you for being an image of God. But your job is to show me that you have things that I want and I want my life to be like yours. And here's the thing about it. It works because our hearts are so easily drawn to that type of thing that we look at our friends and it's like, look how happy their family looks. They have a family. I wish I had a family. Look how nice their dog looks. So that we see this picture of all these things and we long for it. But here's the thing. We see the image, but we don't see what's behind it. So let me reverse it for a second. When we post a picture, we post a picture of the best of ourselves and there's somebody envying our family. And we're like, not my family. Because we know what's behind the picture. I know that when I post a picture of my family, as soon as it's done, it's like, oh, they're perfect. One punches the other in the gut. One's crying. Blood on one of them. I don't know where it came from. It's, I know what's behind the picture. We don't know what's behind the picture. We long for the ideal, but we don't know what's behind it. Because you know your story. You know their suffering. You know there's pain in your story. There's suffering and pain in their story, too. You just don't see it. And social media just puts gas on that fire. So let me ask you this. We all have at, told this question to ourselves, and, and it goes like this. If I had this, then I would be happy. So here's the question. What is the this for you? I know what it is for me. But we've all said, if I had this house, the bigger house than I have now, then I would be happy. If I had this car, then I would be happy. If I had this relationship, then I would be happy. If my husband was more like this guy, then I would be happy. What is the if this then for you? Is it a job? If I had a better job, then I would finally be happy. If I made more money a year, then I would finally be happy. What is the thing in your if this then? You're like, man, if I, I lived in a better neighborhood and I made more money, then I would be happy. I wish that were true. Because this, this is actually true. That envy is always scalable. Whatever economic tier you rise to, envy will rise with you. You cannot outrun envy. Let me give you an example. So I grew up in Mississippi, not a great part of Mississippi. I grew up in an 1,100-square-foot house with four people. And the thing we longed for, in my neighborhood, there was no such thing as a garage. Nobody had garages. So I was like, man, I wish I had a garage. That would be so awesome. Now, I live in a house that's bigger than a house that my parents ever had. 
And I, I live where I drive by and I see three car garages. And I'm like, wow, three car garages. Everybody else is like, you ever seen a four? I'm like, look, there's three. They have three cars that go in there. We parking at the street, son. <laughs> but on the way here, I live in the west part of Franklin. I drive, when I come here, I drive back roads to get here. So I'm driving from Franklin through Bell Mead to here. And I also call that the, the Trail of Envy. Um, <laughs> and I'm driving, looking at these, these huge houses on the way here to talk about envy going, wish, I wish I had that. I wish I had that house. But here's the part that we don't ever see. Is the conversations going on in those neighborhoods. Oh, this is the only house you have? You only have two boats? It's always scalable. It goes with us wherever we go. You will never have enough. If things are what you're chasing, someone will always have more than you do. And you will always have more than someone else. You'll always be chasing after the wind. I drive a 2004 truck. I would like to have a newer truck. But you know what would happen? If I went and bought a newer truck, I'd be so happy. Look at this newer truck. I moved up from 2004 to 2010 because that's probably how far I could go. And then as soon as I buy it, I'm going to drive up next to somebody with a brand new 2020 going, I heard a story about this guy. He was going to save up cash to buy a Mercedes Benz. He, he, he saved up all the cash, went and bought it. As soon as he drove off the lot, he pulled up next to a Ferrari and was like, man, I should have saved for six more months. Because it never ends when we put things in the wrong place. And what happens is when we live in this world of envy, we go to the party with envy, it ends up leading to discontentment. Because what happens is with our if this then, whatever we put in the place, if I get this, then I'm going to be happy. We get that thing. Guess what happens? We're not happy. Then we get this other thing. Oh, this is it. This is the one. This golf club will do it. And I'm still not happy. And then what happens is discontent discontentment because and discontentment is a pathway that always leads us to bad decisions discontentment is a pathway that always leads to bad decision and as you look through the seven deadly sins you can see a thread of discontentment that weaves its way through all of those and it's discontentment that leads you to that worse decision discontentment with your marriage discontentment with your job that I'll do anything to make more money. I'll do anything, this job, even sacrifice my character for it. I'll do anything to feel fulfilled from another person that I'll even start to talk to someone who's not my spouse. And you can fill in the blank for whatever it is that discontentment always leads to bad decisions. And then when you live in those bad decisions, what you're living with is what Proverbs 30 says that envy rots the bones that it's not an external rotting that it begins the pain and the hurt of carrying sin and carrying in these travesties inside of us is more than our hearts can bear so Jacob I, we get it envy's there we got to get rid of it before we move past envy what I want to tell you is this that we should listen to our envy before we move on we should stop and say what is the thing I'm most envious of what is the thing that most regularly comes to my heart, the thing that I long for more than else? Because what it does is help us to peer into our hearts and see the things that we value, to see the things that we truly love. 
Because what we love is what we truly worship. And it helps us to see a better way forward to listen to the things that we're most envious about. Because we've put that thing in a place that it did not belong in. So we should listen to our envy. So envy is this. Envy is the fear that I don't have enough. And moving from envy, we want to move towards the opposite side of that, which is contentment. And contentment is knowing that I have exactly what I need. So envy is the fear that I, that I don't have enough. It's a, it's, a, it's a struggle for enoughness. That sometimes I go around like a king of my own little circle. And I feel shorted in some way. I feel like I do not have all the things I deserve. How dare they short the king of this? How dare they, this is my lane, how dare they cut me off? We fear that we don't have enough. He has it, why don't I have it? It's this fear of not having enough when others have more. But contentment, on the other hand, is knowing that I have exactly what I need. That I have exactly what I need, and that is a huge difference between the two between want and need my kids coming to me all the time dad I need these Pokemon I'm like son do you need these Pokemon or do you want these Pokemon he's like what's the difference I was like can you live without these Pokemon and he's like no not really because Bill's got them I need them I was like no and I'm like son I can speak to this very clearly because I struggle with the same thing the balance between wants and needs and what contentment is is coming to a place where I know that everything that I currently have is exactly what I need if you look at it like this that everything we have was placed into our hands by the hand of a loving father. Everything you currently have, your state in life, the current relationships, your house, wherever you are, everything has been placed there because God knew is precisely what we needed. For what? For spiritual flourishing. I love the way Tim Keller says it like this. If we knew what God knew, and knows currently, we would ask him for exactly what we have now. If we knew the scope of what God knows about long-term, short-term, past, present, future, if we had this knowledge, we would say, God, give me exactly what I have right now. Now, that is a hard place to come to because it's hard to understand that. It's hard to come to terms with, this is what God wanted me to have for my spiritual flourishing. And many times it comes in places where we don't understand it, but we know that God loves us and that he is provider, Jehovah Jireh, that he gave us these things we currently have. And it's for our flourishing. I love this quote from Martin Luther. It says this, I've held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, I still possess. So if everything in our hand has been placed by a loving father, 
the right next movement is to the things we have with an open hand placing them into his hands because his word says that underneath us are his everlasting arms at all times and trusting in that and trusting it that he knows what's best for us in hebrews 13 verse 5 it says this keep your lives free from the love of money or you could replace you could take money out here and say from the love of houses or the love of boats or the love of jobs whatever it is that you're struggling with here in this envy category you can replace it here from the love of blank but here he specifically says money keep your lives free from the love of money and be what be content with what with what you have but listen to this of why he says why be content with what you have because it's exactly what you need well how does he say it because never will i leave you or forsake you think about that the writer of hebrews is saying that we can be content with what we currently have because more than anything what we have is a god that promised to be with us and never leave And for us as followers of Christ, is that enough? If you were to take the world, would Jesus be enough for us? That is the question that we wrestle with because Hebrews is telling us that he promised to be with us, to never leave us, which means he is ordering our lives and working in our lives in such a way that we can trust him, that we can step back and stop pretending to be God, stop playing God. And once we realize we're not God, we can truly rest in the fact that he is God. And we can truly find solace in that. And we can move from discontentment and envy towards contentment and the key to that is this thankfulness is the primary cog in the will of contentment because once we can step back and see that we have what we have has been given there by the father that he has not left us he had not forsaken us that he has placed these things in our hands we can see these things with thankful eyes and this is a challenge for you when you go home today just take a piece of paper and instead of writing out the things that we don't have that we want what are the things that you've been blessed with? Whether it be your health or your family or that is a roof over your head or whatever it is that you can look with your, with your new eyes, your, your new eyes of the new man and see, gosh, look what I've been blessed with. Even if you just write down that I have a God that hasn't forsaken me, whatever it is, write those things down and say this, God, thank you for these things. And then we move to a place of this verse. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Then no longer we are rotten in envy. Instead, we are living in this tranquil peace of knowing that he is enough. And then that moves our heart to before when we were envious. We saw other people have things and we were kind of mad at them. Why do they have and I don't? What do they do to deserve that thing? But when we can move into a place of thankfulness and contentment and peace in our heart, we begin to see other things differently. Man, I'm so glad George has that thing. I'm so glad Sally was able to get that new job. Praise God for that. And we can be thankful for things in other people's life instead of envious and having resentment towards others, towards things that they have. 
And then lastly, when you look at these things, you can write down on the piece of paper and, and, paper and say, thank God for discontentment. You're like, what'd you say? Thank God for discontentment. Let me explain what I mean. Oftentimes, with all of these sins, especially envy, there's something inside, of, inside us that leads us towards envy. And what it is, is there was a desire inside of us, a hunger, and we have struggled with this disordered desire. We've put it in the wrong place. The mechanism has switched towards envy of things instead of the original intent of the trigger in our heart. Maybe, just maybe, this discontentment in our heart was put there for a reason, but not for things. What this word says it was put there for is to trigger a discontentment in the things of God. A holy discontentment. A discontentment that says, I am hungry for God alone and I want more of him. Maybe, just maybe, God put this inside of us for this reason. Because if contentment is being thankful for what we have, stepping back and saying, Lord, I am totally content. I am thankful for what you've given us. Holy discontentment is an awakening to who we are going to be. Holy discontentment is no longer comparing myself to other people's today. We're comparing ourselves to our yesterday. Who are we going to be that we have this holy dis discontentment that when I look to the future of my current trajectory of my decisions and my life, I am discontent with where I'm headed. I'm discontent with where I am. I don't mean in any guilt and shame way. I mean comparing ourselves to the only person we should ever compare ourselves to, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Holy discontentment is looking at who Christ is. And longing to be more like him. Mark Sayers says it like this. He's a cultural commentary. He says, holy discontentment is where people become dissatisfied with poor, their poor spiritual condition, the spiritual condition of their church and their society. And from this, revivals are lit. So what if instead of this discontentment in our heart towards things, this discontentment became a hunger for God, a holy discontentment, and we let that be the fire that's lit in our hearts and let God throw the gasoline on our hunger for him? Because I can promise you one thing. If you hunger for God, you want more of him, his word promises, he will meet you in that. If you want more of him, he will give you more of himself. He said, if you draw near to me, I promise I will draw near to you. That maybe this holy discontentment can move to us longing for God. Let me read one more verse to you as we end today. This is Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. This is what the word of God says. He said, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit is what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with each other. These are the sins over here, and this is the, the holiness over here, and they are at war with each other. Contentment and envy are at war with, with one another. One is the flesh, and one is the Spirit. So that you would do whatever you want, but you are 
if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and he lists these. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if we're living in the flesh in these disordered desires... These are the fruits of the flesh that he lists. But look what the word of God says. But the fruit of the spirit is this, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The holy discontentment is to no longer see ourselves in the list of the flesh, but increasingly more see ourselves in the fruits of the Spirit, which Jesus Christ himself, each one perfectly personified. That we long to be more like Christ. So my prayer for us today is this. That we would let go of the envy that we would let go of the comparison, that we would let go of wishing we had what others did and step back and say, God, thank you for what you've given me, but I want more, not of things, but of you. I want more of you. This past week, my four-year-old came to me He's in my, all my illustrations today. He said, Dad, I want to write a thank you note to God. And I said, well, why do you want to do that? And he said, because he saved us. I was like, cool, cool, let's do this. Um, so I started start writing it out, and I was like, well, just a second. See, you know that when you pray to God, it's like writing a note to God. He said, yeah, I know. I just want to write a normal note this time. <laughs> so we write it out we put it in the envelope and and I'm like what am I gonna do with this he's like let's go put it in the mailbox so I was like okay let's go put it in the mailbox but what I saw in him was what scripture says in the heart of babes I saw in him this pureness of just being thankful for God and his work in our lives and he was preaching the gospel to me even though I secretly went out there and took the envelope out before the mailman saw it and was like, God, what? <laughs> but that, having the heart of the child, a heart of a faith of a child, and just say, God, thank you for what I have. Chief being that you sent your son to die for us and save us. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would by your spirit, Lord, refine us, Lord. Refine us towards contentment, away from envy, away from lust, away from greed, away from gluttony, away from all these things, Lord, that we cannot do these things alone, Lord. We cannot fight harder to be better at these things. It's only by the power of your Holy Spirit can you change our hearts. But, Lord, let us meet you in this change. Let us do the work with you, Lord. Meet you in the work to change our hearts, to move us towards contentment contentment with the things we have but discontentment in who we are in Christ Lord let us long and hunger for more of you 
Lord, I pray you light a revival in our individual hearts. And we know when a flame is lit and it's combined with another flame, Lord, your light and revival is in all our hearts. And as we meet together, it becomes a larger flame, Lord, for our good and for your glory. Lord, if there's anybody here today who's never made that decision, Lord, to step down from the throne of their own hearts and let you rule as Jesus Christ King, Lord, let them not go another day, Lord. Let them make that decision today to follow you and find the peace that comes from knowing that we are not God and you are. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you liked this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.